Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Work hard, play hard. My name is Jason Spies. This is going to be kind of a combination, one of those hybrid shows again, where we work hard and we play hard. Of course, we're going to be talking about dogs, so it's hard to work hard <laughs> when you're talking about dogs. Even when we're working hard, it's pretty light. Yeah, you're playing hard quite yeah. a bit. So, uh, One of our sponsors, Chewy Paws. Of course, Canine Pipe Inspections as well. Michaela Hager, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Thanks for inviting me on. Well, I appreciate you coming on the program today to talk about a number of different things. Of course, uh, March being the Women's History Month, and I like to say women in industry are making history every day. That's kind of what's happening. So how long have you worked in the energy sector? We started doing what we do back in 2017, actually. Okay. Um, And been going ever since. How about the canine industry? How long have you been (laughs) in the canine industry? Chewy paws. Chewy Uh, paws came later, didn't it? Actually, it came right about the same time. Interesting fact, it came in at the same time we developed our working dogs, and it was means to kind of fund the original business model forward. Oh, I see. Yes, it was you kind can of say a, all profits went to the dogs. So it was one of those hobbies that turned into a, a, a venture capitalist firm. Yeah. yeah, that's the American dream right there. <laughs> yeah, sheds of venture capitalism. <laughs> so well, we've got a bunch of it all over the floor here. Actually, how did you guys start Chewy Paws? By the way, in my mind, I envisioned that you guys were you know bringing these dogs looking for pipelines and just picking up, you know, deer sheds and stuff, antlers. Actually, it was totally a separate deal, but um, I started out doing shed hunting and that form of detection prior to getting into the pipeline industry. Um, so our dogs were shed hunting, and it was kind of a smaller hobby that grew into something, and it didn't want to quit, so it became its own business. That'd be fun. Bringing dogs out, just letting them look for antlers and stuff. That'd oh, be yeah. a blast. It does sound awesome outdoors. and Yeah, just being outside. Okay. It's like when I, I bring Frackleberry Hound out. We just go marshing. Yeah. We don't go hunting, you know, none of that ch- hardcore training. Just <laughs> go have fun, you know. We'll, if we kind of get in the ballpark, good enough. So. There's got to be a downside, right? Every every Everything has a downside, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Let's talk about your dogs for a minute with the canine pipe inspections. Now, you guys just got back from Texas. You were down there sniffing for some leaks and that sort of thing. I've always read and heard that these dogs are still more accurate than a lot of the uh, robotics and sensors out there. Is that true? Actually, we got the opportunity to put our dogs back-to-back with electronic sniffers. I've got a link on our website somewhere. No kidding. But, I didn't uh, even know that. Yeah. Boy. So we had a scenario where they were detecting, and I think they injected Mercaptan and used electronic sniffers. Um, that company had found leaks, but when they put the line up to pressure, they still were losing pressure. That's when we got called on because they still had leaks. And when we got brought on, we actually found two micro leaks that were missed by the modern technology. So that was our first opportunity to actually have showcase what our dogs can do back to back with technology. The technology did what it needed to do, but there are limitations and places where it just it isn't at the level these dogs are when it comes to these micro, very, very challenging leaks. What kind of dogs are you using? I have all shepherds, so mostly Dutch shepherds, Malinois, and we got a Czech shepherd on the team as well. I say Czech shepherd, but she's a German shepherd. <laughs> Her origins are from Czech, though. How long? What is what's involved in the in the training of the dogs for that? 
or is it fairly intuitive for them or is it is it really a specialized long-term type of training regime kind of a combination so you need that dog that has as you put it an intuitive nature they want to they're basically passionate about hunting that work that drive i put a big focus on dogs with grit as well <laughs> if they go through tough scenarios i don't want them to say mm, i'm not sure about those you know west texas thorns like I got some strong dogs that want to work really hard. You need the, that genetic potential and then pairing that with a consistent program, building these dogs up to be very specialized at what they do. So the training is continual. It's not something that you do for a couple of weeks and then they're trained per se. Oh, sure. We train these dogs every day. Yeah, it's a perishable skill, I imagine. It need constant training. Yeah, that is awesome. Hey, how far hey. how far below the Earth's surface are these pipelines? Do they vary, or is there is there a set amount? I mean, I know they vary. Some are above ground and that sort of thing. But is there like a a depth that gets too far for the dogs, or anything along those lines, or they have no problems? Uh, no problems, so long as they give us enough time for our tracer odorant to get to the surface. Okay. So whatever that depth is, we're just going to calculate the amount of time we need based on the conditions. But we've worked on mines shallow as, say, three, four feet, um, as deep down to 12 feet. Um, just our experience. But technically, we should be able to do any depth so long as it gives it enough time for that vapor to get to the surface so the dogs can do their job. You're telling me that those dogs can get a pinhole leak 12 feet below the Earth's surface? Well, we haven't done any. Leaks we've found, I think, were, I think the deepest was probably seven, eight feet. Okay. Um, just because that's where the leak was. Right, right. That's where the pipe was and et cetera. So, okay, I didn't, yeah, that's amazing to me because I, uh, I was taking Frackleberry out, you know, and, and we, I, she likes to just chase snowballs and <laughs> catch snow and that sort of thing. And so I'll just throw snowballs just to run her. And every now and then they'll, they'll go into a snow hill. And it'll explode or whatever. And, and she'll just sit there and dig for 15, 20 minutes. And I know she's trying to get every single snowflake with my scent on it. Yes. Totally. You know, <laughs> I mean, so it that's what got me thinking, going, I wonder how deep these dogs can go with some of this, this scent. Because I, I had a bloodhound before, so I know their noses are amazing. You know, that sort of thing. Bloodhounds, you got, oh, that's focus. They have such focus issues. Your dogs are pretty focused, the shepherds, aren't they? Honestly, the biggest uh, kind of funny joke I keep telling people is my dogs are ball junkies and I'm the ball dealer. They are crazy about what they do, and I'm just feeding the craziness, and they're working for me for it. So that's kind of where you get get that intensity, and you're just keen into that biological talent of theirs. The poochie pusher. Yeah, I was just going to say, she's the pusher. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm the ball dealer around here, and it's very apparent whenever the dogs are around me. How many different shale plays have you guys been in with canine pipe inspections? Um, we've worked everywhere from over in California um, and New Mexico, Texas. Honestly, wherever we get the phone calls, we go. Dogs are extremely mobile, and they're, they're more ready to go than their human counterparts, so... <laughs> I'm almost wondering if there's gonna if if there's gonna be some sort of tax credit for canine pipe inspections in in the future for the ESG movement. As soon as know? they can figure out a way, I'm have, sure. Have, have we figured that out yet, Michaela? How to incorporate the public relations of involving dogs in with the science of involving dogs <laughs> in order to 
help get some tax credits or subsidization there? Because it seems to all go towards the robots. So it's going somewhere. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. So um, long, long question. Do you guys, uh, uh, are you finding that companies are pretty receptive to the public relations of the dogs part? Leak detection is kind of an interesting industry because a lot of companies do not want to even express that this could be an occurrence, but we see a high value in ensuring that it isn't occurring. So, hey, we verified that it hasn't occurred in this line clean and has no breaches. Um, we're working on some projects, but I'd say tune in a little later in the year and ask me that question again while we work on a few things. Okay. But for now, a lot of things in the works, but we'll see where it goes. So what's going on with Chewy Paws? Let's transition over there a little bit. Uh, talk to us about you know the, the company, how it's going, how people can get some of the uh, antler chews and that sort of thing. And, and then also... Uh, some of the pros involved with with these antlers because I've done the research and and I you know it is kind of a natural chew toy for a dog. Yeah, hey, a different um, industry for sure, but because we're passionate about dogs and what we do, we found single ingredient natural chews. Dogs are crazy for them, <laughs> and you don't have any of the artificial nylons, um, rubbers, or anything that isn't digestible. And that's something that we brought in with our dogs and we're using. And pretty soon, friends and family were saying, hey, can you set us up with that? And it's gone there and just continued because it's such a simple product. It's a nature-made chew. How can people get those or talk about the different uh, packages that you guys have and the different types of antlers? Yeah. Yeah, we, we're one of the few companies that we actually offer a wide variety of species. We've got moose, caribou, elk, deer. Um, they're all on our website, just chewypaws.com. And we even offer bulk and subscription packages, which is pretty valuable to the consumer. And our prices are probably lower than most in the industry because we don't have a middleman. We're right up here. Um, we shed hunt on with our dogs as well. And we're right in antler country, so... I get a kick I out of the um, the moose one. It's so soft that uh, Frackleberries eats it. She, I mean, within a week, it's gone. Oh, down to a the nub. The elk, she can barely budge that thing. Uh, she de- always hauls it out when we're recording. Yeah, the, the deer, <laughs> the deer takes a little bit, but she, you know, she nubs that down pretty yeah. good after a while. The moose, though, is that is that a softer antler? It is. It's an interesting antler because the paddle is composed almost entirely of marrow. It doesn't have that hard, bony outer layer. But the base is probably the most durable and hard aspects of an antler compared to other species. Um, So it's very popular. Um, Moose paddle chews, probably our number one product that I can hardly keep it in stock. (laughs) But like you're saying with the elk, elk's really nice because it's got that great marrow to it but also has a durable outer edge. So it just it continues to be a chew that lasts a bit longer. Oh. You think about your price point too. Your dog may love eating that paddle, but if you want one that hangs around a little bit longer, it never loses its flavor or desire. So you got to chew that lasts a lot longer than a lot of others in the industry. Are you familiar with the term ants on a log or the peanut butter celery ants in a log you know what i'm talking about that's one of my favorites okay. i do not actually where you, you you take a stick of celery and you put peanut butter in the in the groove and mm-hmm. then if you put raisins on it that's the ants right so gotcha what 
Frackleberry Hound does is just eats the marrow. Yeah. So it's just basically looks like a stick of celery because it's just a <laughs> concave, and then she leaves the rest. I'm of the looking ball at and, it right yeah. now, actually, and she has she has fairly well gutted it, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right, just gutted it out, and so anyway, but. Uh, well, that's kind of hey, cool. It's all about that great marrow. That's yeah. all they want, and it just depends on how hard it is to get to that um, that great marrow core. She's such a diva. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love her. Okay. Well, you spoil her with these things. These are Damn great. right, man. <laughs> uh, okay, so how are the bees doing? Last time we spoke, the bees turned on you. Oh, sad, sad topic. My um, bees... They all died when we hit a had a bad winter storm. This no, fall. I lost my entire hive. Oh yeah. no! Oh Super no! Sad. It was a it was a bad day. Are sure. Are you going to re, uh, somehow reclaim or regenerate or do the bees again, or is that just kind of a lesson learned deal? Uh, most likely, it was a very hard bee year, and what we're going to have is the expert regionally that runs a lot of bees they're gonna have them come and look at our hive so we can establish what went wrong so we don't make the same mistake twice or maybe it wasn't a mistake maybe it was just a bad year but you try your best with every creature you're taking care of and we just want to investigate it and we'll try again if we can remedy remedy whatever went wrong you're not suspecting any of that uh, colony to just collapse collapse disorder it could have been um we're, you know, this is just kind of a side, side little hobby we had that we wanted to try out. Well, so right. We had right. an expert tell us, I don't know what went wrong. If that was the case or um, yeah. did they get a disease? Did they just abscond because the conditions simply were not something they desired? That's what um, I've always wondered, you know, like when it comes to wintertime, you know, North Dakota is the number one honey producer in the nation. Okay. So there's a lot of bees up here. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder in the wintertime, like what, what? What do they do? Well, they ship them down to Texas and California to the almond almond fields. So oh, these bees... They rent them out, don't yeah, they? Yeah, these bees yeah. are traveling more than you and I. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're road tripping it, you know? And, uh, oh, so, yeah. It's how you keep your, your profits going and those bees working nonstop. But I've, but I've often wondered about, you know, the, the snow, the, the year-round bees. Mm-hmm. Not the snowbird right, bees, yeah. but the year-round The poor ones. sloughs that have to stay up here all year like us. Do they hibernate or do they, you know, do they go dormant or what? Like, you know, a tick, for example, can go dormant for up to 17 years. I don't know enough about the life cycle. You know, an amphibian well, just kind of goes for the wintertime and then that's it. So yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, keep in mind, I'm a novice at this, so any professional beekeepers listening, please don't cringe. But um, from what I understand is they're within their hive, they kind of group together, and they'll actually kind of, there's a term for it, but they're basically vibrating inside that hive to generate heat to keep themselves all warm. Well, that makes Um, sense, yeah. And the biggest thing is to insulate your hives, which I hope I did successfully, but insulate them, but yet let that hive breathe enough so they don't get too much moisture in there sure um and you just don't want them to freeze but they're just going to stay within their hive and in theory they're supposed to be eating their own honey but you supplement them with bee patties and um what they need to continue on until spring but they they're alive they're active but within their hive um staying warm and making it through snakes and there's a lot of yeah, yeah yeah i think I believe that's a similar concept. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I'm a novice. It was a hobbyist sort of thing for me. That's what most most North Dakotans do. It's pretty common in construction, actually. (laughs) Um, When Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, six months out of the year. (laughs) 
construction, they'll they'll like you know build make a road and then they'll come across these snake burrows or these mm-hmm. snake you know balls that sort of thing enclaves I think enclaves. they're called yeah and I don't know what they're called in the bee world but uh, the vibrating I get that so I always wonder because I'm like there's no way bees fly south no there's no way and they I didn't fly think they south. just died off and then were you know they're not new, hitchhiking yeah. <laughs> so okay well um so. Who is who is your customer when it comes to the canine, you know, pipe inspections? Is it the operator? Is it the pipeline, you know, construction company? Yeah, who calls it, you first? You know, who who is it that would, you know, is it the landowner? You know, who's your customer, I guess? It's very interesting because we get calls from all different walks. So we might get called from the engineer. We may get called from the midstream company. We might get con- called by the construction company and... When it comes to marketing and targeting who to, I guess, make our service known to, it's interesting how wide um, that is with who actually calls for our services. But mostly midstream, of course, um, are seeking what we do. Yeah, so they're out there looking for you. Yes, what we found is our services are mostly reactive um problems known and then we get called we're getting a lot more proactive phone calls coming into 2021 compared to other years which is really interesting and exciting for us but typically it's reactive and honestly usually they have been chasing the leak they've used another service or they've been cutting that line down and the sad part is, is usually these companies spent weeks getting isolated down to a mile or two they're very proud that they did until they see our services and we're like, Hey man, like we could have actually run <laughs> the whole 12 miles, done it in the same amount, you know, done it in a day, run it through. Should have called you first and saved you two, three weeks. Yeah. Because that's rather anticlimactic when you run the dogs. They're as fat or as slow as the dumb end of the leash, the handlers, they run through, they hit it and we go, okay, here we go. And then it's kind of over. Um, <laughs> everyone thinks it's a big shebang, but it's quick, fast, and they usually pothole down. And honestly, we've been fortunate. Our dogs have always been just, I wouldn't say fortunate. It's what they do. But we each back down, and we're like, oh, there's the leak. Mystery is, done. And then that's it. <laughs> is there any uh, climate that they might not necessarily be able to smell in? And I don't even know if that's a real thing or not. But I know, you know, I'm thinking of the desert, a lot more sand and you know, kind of dry dirt, and then you get up into the, the Bakken, you got some rock, that sort of thing, down to the Tuscaloosa, down in Alabama. Alabama. It's more of a clay yeah. mud, you know, type of a thing. Does that matter at all or not? We just have to evaluate the amount of time that we give that line to get the vapor to the surface. So if you got that dense clay, um, you, you're working with caliche, whatever those conditions just making sure the dogs are set up for success so what's, that vapor can get up there for them. What's caliche? Boy, you got to ask everyone down in West Texas. It's um, the soil conditions they have down there. I've never heard that, that term. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Sounds like a pretty good drink, though. Caliche. <laughs> caliche on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting name. 
Yeah. Well, I like I like the name horchata, and I love the drink. That's so good. And so, well, I was just thinking up here. I mean, it's at least in the Fargo Moorhead area, it's just total clay. Yeah. You know? I mean, just it's it's solid. I wonder how easy it would be for that. You know, so it makes me think of the Tuscaloosa yeah. down in down yeah. in Mississippi and Alabama because it's, it's um just solid same thing. It's just, it's just solid. Well, it's hard to actually grow. Yeah. Crops because it's so the roots can't. Oh, I've Establish. got a 10-year-old tree that looks like I planted it last year. Oh, this is awful. <laughs> okay, so. Um, training. How long does it take to train these guys, these dogs? Boy, it actually really, it's like students. It depends on <laughs> the dog. Um, I'm sure it's an ongoing education all the time. It is. Yeah. Um, I put several weeks on a dog before. It really just depends on how they how they fast they take to the training. And I will say our most senior dogs on the team, our most valuable asset. Um, nothing beats that continual training and that continual development. It's like working out at the gym. If you're just bench pressing, that doesn't mean you're fit and, I guess, strong. If you are exercising all parts of your body as a whole, that's where like that true strength comes from. And it isn't just putting our dogs on odor. It's developing those dogs as a whole. Um, and I feel like it's an overall stronger dog. But I'd say like a solid four to five weeks on a dog um, if they've got the right genetics, drive, and predisposition for it, and maturity, of course. Um, it's a little different between five months old versus 15 months old. Going to Texas next week, you got any advice for me when it comes to the dog? I mean, it, uh, the hotel I normally stay at, they don't have my room, so uh, next door to the hotel is one of those floodways where it's just all grass, and it's like a football field of grass. So I take my dog out, and she can run in the morning. Everywhere else, it's just pokes and pricks and oh man it's so hard down there in the permian <laughs> are you finding any any luck down there to bring your dog down in the down in that desert down in the permian honestly when i first heard that part of the question i was going to give you the human the advice and say you should bring a parka and a tank top when you go down to texas <laughs> so you're ready to go and um as for the dogs i'm a big proponent of getting booties on them because the thorns and the bites and the stingies and everything that's down there um, I put booties on my dogs, and I also inspect them quite a bit because even if they aren't showing signs of it, we found thorns in our dogs and whatnot. And I've met your dog. She's pretty driven. She loves to go out and about. She could have um, thorns and whatnot and not show it. So just inspect your dog and yeah. check them out. But, oh, yeah, they... booties. I'd invest in some nice booties. I can get you a link for um, oh. good company I work with that they actually stay on. And check those feet. And your dogs are okay with them, huh? Yeah. Um, you just got to condition them to it. And oh, okay. Another thing. All right. <laughs> More work. I think your dog would be just fine. It'd be no big deal. I might just go drive to that patch of grass where the homeless guy sleeps on the on, on the on the mattress. Well, he's cool. You leave him alone. He's fine. He's found all the prickly things already for well, you. It's so. funny because you got three feet of grass, and then all of a sudden there's like this just patch of nothing oh there's a mattress there okay, oh, okay. someone yeah. sleeps there at night i got it hard okay. to get away with up here oh yeah so what's next are you you got any uh, trips in the near future here are you looking anything uh that you would like to fill on your schedule well um our schedule has kind of got pushed back after that big texas freeze mm -hmm. some dates got pushed back so we're kind of expecting we're going to head into 
spring and um, everyone's going to be calling us at the same time. So <laughs> we're kind of anticipating when uh, everyone's recovered from the big freeze down south. That's where we get the bulk of our phone calls down mm-hmm. in the Permian. And those phone calls are all coming back now that everyone's kind of organized after um, everything that went down a few weeks ago. Do you, uh, do you do much in the Bakken at all? Honestly, the Bakken has been interesting with its interest. It's been quiet ever since this legislation has occurred. Um, what I've, just in my opinion, is a lot of operators are just waiting to see what happens. So it's been quiet up north for us so far. Hmm. But we'll see how the political climate goes um, for our future up north. Okay. I'm just curious, yeah, because um, I'd be, well, with the protests there and everything, I, I would just think that, um, you know, bringing in a dog and some of the human elements would be, you know, advantageous for for some of the public relations and everything. Good icebreakers, I, yeah. I'd still like to get you to the Bakken Barbecue to do a demonstration. You know, next year, actually, is first oh, responders. Well, we should do it because I'm gonna. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm interviewing Jackie Jenkins and Tiffany Steiner on Friday for our program, and I'll talk to them either on the air or off the air. Probably off the air. I don't want to. I don't want to gang bum rush them. Is that still a term? I think that's still a term. Okay. The, the the bums don't have a lobby, so they can't. That's not derogatory. There's no bums, them. and if there were, we wouldn't make okay. them rush. So uh, the, the well, because nobody cares about the gangs, right? right. Gang rush. All right. Um, them but i i think it'd be great because if our sponsor or i'm sorry our theme is going to be first responders boy it would make sense to have the canine yeah it is so we're gonna have all kinds of first responders there being honored all night long so it almost makes sense to have canine pipe inspections there doing a doing a uh kind of a demonstration if you will so maybe that'd be great we'll see if we can get that done yeah, I'll get in touch with you. Um, what, what do we afterwards. need? Some uh, PVC yeah. pipe from Home Depot and about a yard of dirt? What are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what they're willing to work with. Um, if we can just put it right in the ground and it will do kind of like a little double blind. I don't know what that means, but okay. That Sounds good, though. That the handler means I wouldn't know where it's at and um, someone else did it. Will there be blindfolds? <laughs> No blindfold necessary, but as long as the dog and I don't know where it is, um, so the the authentic work. The, I'm picturing in my mind we got the face pa- face painting station, okay, because they have face painting there, right? And then we've got the big bouncy jump castles because we got those. Gotta there. have those. And oh, then yeah. the, and then we always have the guy with the gun. There's always a guy that's teaching kids how to shoot a BB gun. It's so funny. Oh, right. I love it. It is just so That's Western, the Bakken for North you, man. Dakota, baby. Yep. And then now we'll get the pipeline sniffing dog out there. It's, it's perfect. Be, I'm, hey, I'm bringing potatoes this year. We're going we're gonna to offer a vegetarian offering at the Bakken barbecue this year. Potatoes. We're, oh, we're working out a deal. RDO, RDO, who supplies potatoes for McDonald's. Right. Last year, they just it, it, it was too quick, and it was this and that, but they said next year, absolutely. So we're working with them this year, and they're going to donate potatoes, and we're going to do baked potatoes. Sweet. So we'll have a booth just to offer baked potatoes. If with somebody, all the fixings? Uh, yeah, well, no, okay. the fixings is everywhere else. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be kidding. We'll figure something <laughs> out. So we're having all kinds of fun this year at the First Responders Bach and Barbecue. It's the ninth annual, so, uh, and we'll get the dogs there. 
And let's see, what else do we got? Uh, anything we left out today? Michaela Hager of Canine Pipe Inspections and Chewy Paws. Hey, I think we kind of covered it right down to my little bee hobby. And um, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the Bakken Barbecue because that was an awesome event. Went last year, was a little unplanned just because I know dates were changing with a lot of events, but everyone's kicking up this year. That was such and a we're weird... Yeah, it's such a weird year. Well, last year was weird because, remember, at that time, nobody was going out. And then all of a sudden, this big barbecue happened. And then all, and then a couple months later, North Dakota went into their big COVID time. Yeah. So then no one was going out. And we you know, we got lucky because we kind of missed that blip, you know, um, a little bit. We were very overprotective about that event. So, but um, <laughs> anywho, so, okay, websites one more time. Both the websites, please. Yeah, you bet. You can find us at caninepipeinspections.com. That's about the letter K, number nine, pipeinspections.com. And if you're interested in antler dog chews, it's called chewypaws.com. Uh, there's a Z on the paws, not an S, and chewypaws.com. Those are our two sites. 